Good morning, everyone. So good to see you all. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 to 38. So Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 38. Um, I'm mainly going to be focusing on the, um, the beginning part of this, this passage. Uh, the last couple verses are kind of a transition into the next chapter. So I'm still going to read them just because it's kind of awkward to stop with like only two verses left in the chapter. But I'm mainly going to be focusing on the beginning part of Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 38. Matthew in this passage and throughout the whole book of Matthew is trying to persuade everyone that was going to read his book to run to Jesus, to go to Jesus, to get to Jesus as quickly as you can. Matthew himself has been transformed by Jesus, and he wants everyone else to come and know Jesus too. And so in this little section, he gives four positive examples and one negative example of people running to Jesus and going to Jesus. And he wants to convince us as well to come to Jesus with all of our troubles and all of our pain and all of our difficulties. And so by doing this, he highlights two character traits of Jesus Christ. The first one is that Jesus is powerful, and the second one is that Jesus is merciful. And so the the goal that I have today is just for us to see Jesus and be wowed by him, to be amazed at how powerful Jesus is and how merciful Jesus is. And secondly, to encourage us all to put our faith in him. And so our big idea, our main point, the main thing we want to come across with today is this. Put your faith in the powerful and merciful Savior. Put your faith in the powerful and merciful Savior. If you're a note taker, that should be at the top. And then I'm going to talk about what it means to have faith, what it means that Jesus is powerful, what it means that Jesus is merciful. That's your whole outline right there. You can go to sleep. So Jesus is strong, and he is compassionate, and you can put your full confidence in him. That's what Matthew wants us to get in this passage. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 18 to 38. It says this, while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men came, followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. 
And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts, and open our lives to what you want to teach us this morning. I pray that your word would affect us, that your Holy Spirit would come and take these words and make them life-giving to us. Help us to see you as the amazing, merciful, and powerful Savior that you are. God, I pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified this morning, that he would be known and loved and worshiped in all of our hearts and all of our lives. Would you help us now? In Jesus' name we can pray. Amen. Amen. Now, before I talk about putting your faith in the powerful and merciful Savior, I just want to have a little bit of time to explain two things that are a little bit weird in the passage I just read. The Bible has all kinds of little weird things in it. And one of the weird things in this passage is when Jesus says to these blind guys, don't tell anybody. In fact, it says that he sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. And then he says to the little girl and the people that are mourning over the little girl that was dead, he says, um, <laughs> the thing really wants to eat me or something. Um, he says, you know, she's not dead, but she's asleep. So what's that about? I mean, it's clear that she's really dead. I mean, the dad knows that she's dead. That's why he comes to Jesus, and he would know, I mean, if she was just asleep. So Jesus comes on the scene and says, oh, she's asleep. So, so what's that about? Why, why does he say that she's asleep? So actually, let, let's talk about why he doesn't want to tell, why he doesn't want people to t- let him know that, that he healed them. Um, actually, this is kind of a common thing in the Gospels. As you read through the Gospels, you'll see over and over again that he tells people not to tell or to, or to be quiet and, and to not make a big deal about it. And actually, there's, there's a helpful passage a couple chapters later in Matthew chapter 12 that kind of helps to explain why Jesus does this kind of thing. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 14 to 21. It's going to be on the screen as well. It says, but the Pharisees went, this is right after Jesus had healed, some, healed somebody, and it says this, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. 
So why does Jesus tell people not to tell about him? So there's, there's kind of three reasons why Jesus tells people not to tell. The first one is he doesn't want to draw un, unwanted uh, negative attention from the Pharisees. You see in this passage that the Pharisees, after they saw him heal someone, they, that's, they, they got more and more and more upset. And so they're looking for any reason to be jealous, any reason to be against him. And so every time he heals someone, it makes them even more angry, which makes them want to kill him even more. So he, he's trying to avoid this unwanted negative attention from the Pharisees. The second thing he's doing is, is this the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy that I just read about the Messiah was going to be a humble and self-effacing Christ. The, it talks about he's not going to be quarreling or crying out. You're not going to hear his voice in the streets. He's not seeking to be a celebrity, okay? He, he's not out there just trying to make a big deal about himself. He is being uh, humble and self-effacing. He's not a show-off. Okay, and so part of the reason why he's saying don't tell people about this is because he's just trying to do something good for these people and not trying to make it all about, you know, look how great and amazing I am. The third reason is just kind of practical reasons. I mean, Jesus has a mission. He, he needs to disciple these apostles, and he's going to send them out on this worldwide mission that he's going to send them on. And that's going to take some time, and that's going to take some focus that needs to happen. And with all these people coming all the time, he's not going to be able just practically to be able to do those things. So those are kind of three reasons why Jesus would say to these blind guys, don't tell anybody. Okay, does that make sense? So, so second question, what about the girl sleeping? Why, why would you say this girl's not dead but asleep? Well, it's similar to the same reasons as why you tell people not to tell. Um, he's avoiding negative attention. If you remember in the Gospel of John, it was actually when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead that the Pharisees were like, you know what, we've, we've had it. We've, this is the last straw. And they said, we're going to kill him and we're going to kill Lazarus too. So Jesus is trying to avoid unnegative attention. Unwanted negative attention. Uh, he's being self-effacing. He's just being practical. I mean, you could just imagine if everyone's tried to bring their dead relatives to Jesus, the, the complications that would cause. And so you can kind of understand why Jesus might say, oh, she's asleep. She, she's just asleep. I'm just going to wake her up, right? But I think there's also, in addition to that, kind of a, a deeper point. Something that is, is true, not just of this girl, but of all of us. It's about how death is not the final thing, but how Jesus will raise us up one day. When anyone dies, not just this girl, but when anyone dies, it's not the final state. It's not the end. Jesus will one day raise everybody up, and we will all see Jesus face to face. And Matthew wants us to ask the question, when he wakes us up on that day, are we ready to meet Jesus? Will we recognize him? Will he know us and will we know him when he wakes us up. And so Matthew wants us to be putting our faith and our confidence in Jesus so that when he wakes us up that final day, we know him and we believe in him. So Matthew gives us these positive examples over and over and over again. He says, look, here are four people, four, four kinds of people to be like. Here, here's the, the positive examples of putting your faith in the powerful and merciful Savior. He says, here's this ruler who, who comes asking for his daughter. Here's this bleeding woman who just wants to touch his clothes. Here's these two blind people that are crying out and they're following him. Here's these men that brought their mute, demon-oppressed Friend, And then he gives a negative example of these Pharisees in verse 33 and 34, which says, When the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said he cast out demons by the prince of demons. And so 
Matthew says, all right, be like those other guys, but don't be like those Pharisees. You don't want to be like the Pharisees, right? Nobody wants to be a Pharisee, right? And so don't be like those guys. You see Jesus as evil and untrustworthy, someone that has to be stopped. And so instead of being like them, be like those other people and trust in Jesus. He is powerful and he is merciful. So put your faith in him. Now I want to make a point about faith and what faith is. And this is really important because in this passage, faith is highlighted. Look at verse 22. It says, Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And then look down at verse 29. It says, then he touched their eyes. These are the blind guys. He touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. So faith is being emphasized here, right? So so we need to put our faith in Jesus. And and the point I want to make is a really important point Because there's a difference between putting your faith in something and putting your faith in Jesus. There's a difference between putting your faith in something and putting your faith in Jesus. This is a highly confused idea in our culture. And so you hear people say stuff, as long as you believe in something, it's okay. Or just think positive thoughts. Or it doesn't matter who your higher power is as long as you have one. That is not the faith of the Bible. The faith of the Bible is not about faith in something. The faith of the Bible is about faith in Jesus Christ. Look at how it's worded throughout this passage. In verse 18, the ruler says to Jesus, lay your hand on her. The the bleeding woman says, if only I can touch his garment. Jesus asked the blind guys, do you believe I am able to do this? And the friends of the demon oppressed bring the man who was mute to him. These guys didn't say, oh, our demon oppressed friend, he just needs some positive thoughts and prayers. He just needs some positive energy. No, this man needs Jesus, not positive vibes. He needs Jesus. We don't just need to think good thoughts. We need to have this man get to Jesus. Now, why does it matter? Well, it matters because thoughts and prayers and well wishes and positive energy and good karma and higher powers and positive thoughts and superstitions and religious habits and Allah and Buddha and Mary and your friends and family and political parties and social causes and sports teams and entertainment and your own mental and physical strength are not God. But Jesus is. And so Matthew is saying, look at this guy. Look at Jesus. He is powerful And he is merciful. This is evidence that Jesus is God. So put your faith in him. Look how powerful Jesus is. First, Jesus is powerful, right? Look at all the things he does. He makes the bleeding woman well. He raises the dead girl. He gives sight to the blind men. He casts out demons. In verse 35, it says he heals every disease and every affliction. That's a lot of things to have power over. And so there's a couple of things I just want to highlight in this with Jesus being powerful. One is just, you know, just the, the amazingness of the, let me just touch his cloak. If I just touch his clothes, then I'll be healed. But to me, the most incredible part in this whole passage is the story of the girl being raised 
to, from the dead. And the thing that's most amazing to me is how understated the story is, right? So, so get the picture here. This girl is dead. She's not sick. She's not diseased. She's not mostly dead. She is dead dead, right? And, and death doesn't lose, right? Well, when you're dead, you're dead, right? There's no vaccine for death. There's no booster shot for death. There's no treatment or surgery for death. There's not even an essential oil for death. There's nothing that can treat death, right? When you're dead, you are dead. So you might expect when Jesus is going to go and have a face-off with death, that the one that humanity's biggest enemy, the, the one that takes everybody out, the undefeated enemy of all humanity, when Jesus is going to fight that thing, you would expect some theatrics, you would expect some drama, you would expect some earthquake or some, some, some lightning or, or some sort of like great climactic moment or something, like, like a Gandalf, like, you shall not pass, and the, the fighting and, and some sort of like smoke and clouds or smoke machine or a hype man or something. But here's what happens. Excuse me, could you guys all just please leave? She's just asleep. Okay, little girl, can you wake up? All right, I'm out. And that's the end of it. Death has just been defeated, and Jesus wasn't even trying. Like, what, what is going on here? Jesus is so powerful. If you can have that kind of power over the undefeated enemy of all humanity, do you think Jesus can handle everything else in your life? Jesus is powerful. So why would we put our faith in anything else? The one who just casually defeats death is the one that cares for each one of us. So why would we not put our faith in him? Why would we put our faith in anything else? But here's what's what's really cool. Jesus is not only powerful. He certainly is powerful, but Jesus is merciful as well. Again, each, each of these miracle stories show his mercy, right? There's, there's, there's mercy throughout every miracle story. But I just want to highlight just, just the, the story of the, the, the bleeding woman, right? Verse 22 says, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And this, you know, just think about the, the picture here of this, this sickly woman who's unclean, who's broke, who's an outcast, who's, who's an outsider in society, who, who nobody really wants to be around. And here, Jesus sees her and says, you're my daughter, right? You just, you see the love, you see the compassion, you see the kindness. And this is why, while Jesus is on his way to go put a smackdown on death, right? And he is stopping and looking at this, this, this nobody and saying, take heart, daughter. Take heart, daughter. I love you. He's being merciful and compassionate. What a merciful God. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is compassionate and loving and gentle and merciful. So put your faith in him. Now, now here's the really beautiful and compelling thing to me about Jesus. Put these two things together, that Jesus is both powerful and merciful. Jesus is the one that heals the sick and gives sight to the blind and casts out demons and heals every disease and affliction and raises the dead, and he has time to care for the lowliest of low. That's Jesus. That's our God. 
He is both powerful and merciful. So why would we put our faith in anything else? We have Jesus, the powerful and merciful Savior. Let me close with this. Like Matthew, I want to invite us all to put our faith in Jesus. First for our salvation, right? No matter what other problems we have, no matter what other issues we have, no matter what other if difficulties and trials in our life, our biggest need is to be made right with God. And Jesus made us right with God through what he did on the cross. The cross is the most powerful and merciful miracle that Jesus ever accomplished. He made a way where we could be right with God by taking our sins on himself. And all who would repent of their sins and trust in him could be made right with God and accepted with him and restored to a new life now and assured of eternal life when we die. And so put your faith in this great Savior, the merciful one and the powerful one who can deal with your sin and deal with you being separated from God and bring you together with him. He is a powerful and merciful Savior. Secondly, I want to invite us all to put our faith and our trust in Jesus for not just our salvation, but for all of our needs. Whatever you need, whatever else is weighing you down, whatever else is hard for you right now, trust in Jesus. He is powerful and he is merciful. Put your faith in Jesus. He is the powerful and the merciful Savior. Let's pray. God, you are incredible. Jesus, we are so grateful for you. Thank you for your power that assures us that no matter what happens, you are stronger, you are bigger, you are working, you are sovereign. Thank you for your mercy that with all that power, you still have time to care about our little lives and our little problems. And how you stoop down and, and see us. How you're not too busy to, to take time to see us and to call us and to heal us and to make us right. So God, I pray for myself and I pray for all of us in this room that we would come running to you. Like the ruler and the woman and the blind men and the friends of the, of the mute guy. Help us to come running to you and see you as the only one powerful and merciful enough to save us. God, I pray that you would help us to do this. We are so tempted and drawn to go to other things. I pray that you would help us to go to Jesus and trust in him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.